Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast, brought to you by Revision Path, a showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. I'm Maurice Cherry, and before I get into this week's interview, I want to announce our new partnership with Inspiring Black Designers. Visit them at inspiringblackdesigners.com and show your support. This week continues our design journey series. I talked with Maurice Woods, founder and executive director at the Interact Project in San Francisco, California. Here we go. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Maurice Woods. I am a graphic designer. Um, I work on a lot of uh, branding projects, um, interactive projects, and I'm also the founder and executive director of the Interact Project, a program that teaches um, kids and communities about uh, careers in design. Now, how did you get started with the with the Interact Project? I know that's that's your creation. You came up with that. Yes. Yeah, so, Interact Project. Uh, is a life, sort of a lifelong passion of mine. Um, and it started really uh, basically out of my own life. I, uh, you know, grew up in a, in an inner city. And like most kids, you know, it's, yeah, you know, you're, you're, it's plagued, the, the community's plagued with, you know, poverty, crime and uh, discrimination and, and, and whatnot. And I was no different. I was growing up in that neighborhood and all the kids that I grew up with, we were all, into sort of the same things that most kids are into sports, um, you know, music. And I, I was into those things, but, you know, I used, always used to like to draw and, uh, drawing was, was one of the things that was, uh, kind of gave me peace. A lot of the time I, I did it on my own, uh, sort of in the quiet and, you know, I never really thought about it being a profession. So, you know, as I got older, um, and, and, you know, got to the University of Washington on a basketball scholarship. I, uh, you know, I, I learned about design sort of by accident. And um, from that point, uh, I got into to, to design uh, by just looking through a catalog. And a mother, she was the one who pointed it out and just said, you know, you just like to draw when you were young. And, uh, you know, I took the class basically because of that. Uh, you know, I didn't really know anything about it. So, uh, coming around on this uh, interact project was really the the manifestation of that experience because after going through that and you know going through college undergraduate that is and then uh, leaving playing basketball I did that for a couple of years in Europe and came back uh, I, I wanted to get to get back and, and uh, it, based on my own experience I knew there are other kids out there that were like me. Uh, but may not have the opportunity to get a scholarship to go to a four-year college and be exposed to design or just be exposed, period. And so I wanted to bring that experience to kids, but um, I knew that uh, just bringing the experience to kids was not enough, that we also needed to bring the experience to communities and to parents so that they could help support the kids. So that's, that's you know, a long answer, but, but, but that's generally how uh, Interact Project started. And how long has, has that been going on now? So Interact Project started, let's see, in uh, 2004. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's almost 10 years now. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. 2004. Um, so you said you started that after you came back uh, from playing overseas. How long were you overseas playing basketball? So I was, uh, I was in Europe uh, and Asia uh, for roughly about seven seasons, um, 
and you know, I, I started in uh, Spain. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, very interesting story. I, you know, my college career wasn't really uh, what I would say would be the best. Uh, you know, I ended up, you know, the first three or four years because I registered my first year. The first three or four years, I, I didn't play that much. And then my final year in college, I was playing, and I actually was uh, doing quite well. And from that experience, I was able to go and play basketball in Europe. So I started in Fuerteventura, which is a small island in the Canary Islands. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the Canary Islands is, it's a small little speck of islands that are uh, west of Africa. Off the and coast was, of Morocco, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had never heard of this before. So, you know, when I went there, it was just, you know, really odd. I was like the only brother on the island. It was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, you know, it was my first time getting away, too. You know, I had never been away. And I'm on this island that was not inhabited by too many people. Mm-hmm. And I was playing basketball and, and getting experience. So I did that there. Uh, later went on to Tenerife, which is another island in Canary Islands. Had more people there. Um, and then from there went to play in uh, Greece, uh, a place called Papago, and it's in Athens, Greece. And then went off to France and played, and then finished my last couple of years in uh, Japan. So it was roughly about seven seasons. Wow. Yeah. So, and this probably might be a, a silly question, but what made you come back after, after sort of doing your college career and then you played overseas for seven seasons? What made you want to come back? Was it just you felt like it was time to come back? Well, besides my knees, uh, there were, uh, oh. you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> it was like, you know, the thing about it is, you know, uh, people got to realize professional basketball has its lifespan. And, you know, I was in my 20s. And when I started hitting my 30s, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's different. And, right. you know, in NBA, you know, it's a little bit different because you have trainers and people that are, are constantly helping you stay in shape and, you know, all this great technology. But when you're in Europe, you know, you start hitting the wall, you know, after a certain amount of time, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't have as much as many resources. And I was over there for seven seasons. And when I hit 30, you know, I started to have the sense that, you know, basketball was starting to not be as important to me in terms of, uh, going and playing in Europe and being away from family for, for, you know, six, seven months out of the year. Right. It just wasn't appealing enough to me, you know, and then, you know, uh, I was ready to get married. I was, you know, I had a, had a girlfriend that I was dating for a long time and we were ready to get married. And I just knew at 30, um, it was kind of time for a change. And plus, you know, I was always interested in, in design. It was, I, I think design was really my main passion is really what I wanted to do deep down inside, even though I was playing mm-hmm. and I had fun over there. Design was always there. You know, even when I was out there, I always have my laptop and I'd always be working uh, on projects and things, you know, and just sort of learning uh, software. Uh-huh. So I was always, always working. Even though I was over there, I was designing stuff and doing things. And it was that, I think that passion that kind of drove me out. And I, I felt like at 30, I, it was the right time because I knew if I wanted to get into design, I didn't want to be too old and starting it. So mm-hmm. I decided to, you know, hang my hat at 30 and then, you know, uh, uh, get into design. It, it sounds like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like that time also that you spent overseas might have also influenced uh, 
I guess, your likes and dislikes or your perception of design. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, it, it really does. Um, you know, anytime you've, you know, and I always recommend to all of my friends that I talk to to uh, visit Europe because you really get a, a different sense of the world around you when you go to Europe because they just live differently than we do over here. Mm -hmm. uh, the values are different. The culture is different. And um, that experience, uh, I think, was subconsciously um, uh, very uh, had a very deep effect on me. Uh, consciously, it didn't at the time because, you know, I was playing basketball and that was my focus. I wasn't really focused on design or, or art other than just, you know, when I got back home from practice, I would do it. But when I was on the road, I didn't take as many pictures as I probably would have taken if I did it now, mm -hmm. um, just because I was in the moment. But subconsciously, I do remember, you know, uh, you know, signage and, and, and uh, posters and, and different things that I saw that I, I uh, remember were really interesting. And it does sort of inform some of the work that I do today. Yeah, there are a couple of people I know that um, I've interviewed who have spoken in that same way about how being overseas for a certain period of time has helped kind of shape their perception and their influence. We had one guy who, where was it? It was a place in Croatia where he went to school and that sort of has influenced his work. And then there's a woman that we interviewed who spent time in Japan recently. And that's influenced how yeah. she kind of, she also does fashion, but it influences her fashion and her design style and everything. So that's a really, I really like that, uh, that notion of traveling as, as something yeah. that you should do to just, ex just expand your horizons. You know, I think you said you went sort of right before you turned 30. That's like a really good time to go. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it's, uh, you know, you learn, and I remember when I, I was in Japan for, for a couple of years, and, you know, uh, it, it is, uh, Japan, I think, was probably one of the most uh, eclectic cities in a lot of ways, because there's so much information, you know. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> were, were you in, in Tokyo in Japan? I was in uh, Osaka, okay. and then I was in uh, Niigata, but I visited uh, Tokyo, because you know, basketball in, in Japan is different than it is here in that you don't have a home court. So you just play, you know, all over Japan. So we didn't really play at home. We didn't have a home court. We just traveled all the time. So I was in, I was in uh, Tokyo all the time. Okay. But, you know, it's just everywhere you go, the, uh, the, the, the visual culture there is very rich because they draw a lot. They have, you know, they, they read, um, these comic books all the time and everything is Manga, designed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. It's very interesting um, culture out there. And the typography is, you know, obviously a lot different than, than, than what we have and the way it's laid out. So it's very, uh, you know, it was very sort of uh, revealing to me, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I did pick up some stuff from that as well. So you went to you went to both graduate and undergrad at the university of Washington. Talk to me about, when you came back from, uh, I guess you say you were in Japan last, when you came back from Japan, back to the States, what was that transition like as you started to get into graduate school? Because from what I remember from doing my research, it was a little bit of a, an uphill battle. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uphill battle is... Uh, <laughs> That's putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, this this is a good note for students. You know, it's it's... 
it's uh, a good friend of mine told me, and it's very true, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I when I got back from playing basketball, uh, it was very difficult because, you know, I picked not so good time to stop. You know, it was right around 2000. And uh, during that time, people were getting laid off left and right, if you remember. I mean, it was really hard to get a job. People were getting laid off. And here I am, you know, uh, done playing basketball and looking for a design job. Yeah, you were, so, you were in California, like right around the time the dot-com bubble burst. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So In, Richmond, in Richmond, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so I imagine a guy who's been playing basketball all these years coming back and trying to get into a profession that I've been out of for about seven years. Mm-hmm. And I, although, you know, I, I was freelancing in between the seasons when I would be back home, I was still that. And even when I was in, you know, overseas, I was still, I knew the technology. I knew the, you know, and I was still designing. I was still perfecting my craft. But yet and still, man, you know, you're competing against people that are in the field. They've been doing it and they've had the experience. Uh, they had the connections and I didn't have any of that. So when I came back, it was really tough, and uh, I ended up looking for work and going to a lot of uh, AIGA events. Uh, I was uh, shopping my portfolio. I, I, I remember this to this day. I literally went to every single design firm that I could find in San Francisco and dropped a portfolio off. And I know people had to think I was crazy because imagine a a 6'10 black person walking into your design firm, (laughs) you know, out of the blue, you know, no calling, no nothing, just showing up and uh, dropping off the portfolio was pretty odd, you know? So, you know, I didn't see it then, you know, I see it now, but I didn't see it then. All I could think of right then was I'm going to, get myself in a position where I can get a, a, a good look. And that's all I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that experience really, I think, um, really, really changed me because, you know, when I first started doing that, you know, I didn't really get anybody. I mean, I, I literally, you know, out of like probably about 60 places that I went to, I got one, one callback. And that one callback, I remember it was from my, my good friend, uh, Guthrie Dolan. Um, he had a design firm, Department 3, at the time. And I remember him uh, saying, look, man, you, you know, your work is good, man. Just stay with it and uh, don't give up. And, uh, you know, I'll see if I can find some opportunities uh, for you. And then also, you know, I was still, you know, in the mix, still trying to get my portfolio out there. And I remember also I went to an AIGA event with Bill Cahan. I don't know if, if you remember him, but he had Cahan Associates. And uh, I remember, you know, he was, you know, he had a very successful firm. And, you know, I wanted to get in front of him. He was speaking. So I went there. So I went to his uh, lecture. And after his lecture, I walked up to him, handed my, him my uh, CD or my portfolio and just asked him to look at it. And I think he was kind of taken back because it was just kind of odd that, you know, that, uh, uh, that I would just ask him that out of the blue in front of all these people too. He has all these people around him uh-huh. ask some questions. And I just came up to him and I was very bold about it because I was really serious about my career. I wanted to get this off the ground. And uh, he also helped me as well. Now, none of that ever translated to a job. You know, um, I ended up going back and working at Costco 
And uh, I was working there for about a year, uh-huh. still hustling, man, just trying yeah. to get it done, you know. Yeah. And I was working there at nights. And during the day, I was working. I, I found a few clients that needed some work done. And I was doing that during the day. So I was a busy guy and I was determined. And I was constantly, you know, sending my resume out to people, constantly uh, going to events, talking to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, after about a year uh, of doing so, um, I got a call by uh, a guy that I applied to, uh, Neil Zimmerman, mm-hmm. and uh, he saw my portfolio. He offered me a contract position, and I was contracting there on a couple of jobs. And, uh, you know, I was doing that, and, you know, I want to say probably after doing that for about a couple of months, you know, I decided to go back to graduate school. And it was funny because I was contracting with, with Neil and, uh, you know, then I had this offer to go to graduate school. And, you know, at that time he knew I was getting ready to go to graduate school. He actually offered me a position to stay. Oh, wow. and I turned, yeah. And I turned it down because I knew deep down inside that graduate school was going to be the best opportunity for me at that point, you know, because I had been through a lot. I did seven years of basketball and I felt like I needed to go to school, back to school, and then reenter back into uh, design after going back into school. It gives me a different light. And going to graduate school is going to help me sort of get reacclimated back into the profession, learn more about design, uh, do some actual design work and conceptual uh, exercises and get my mind and my my spirit back into design. And it was really the best decision that, that I ever made. So there, there's a couple of things from that that I want to talk about that I think are important. I think the first one certainly is persistence, which is you, you came back into the States, you're working at Costco, but you were still out there kind of hustling, you know, hitting the streets, going to firms, really sort of getting in people's faces almost about this is who I am. This is what I do. I think that that persistence is very important. Uh, between undergrad and graduate school, there are also a few mentors that sort of helped you out along the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to have uh, individuals that I can call on. Uh, one is uh, a good friend, man, you know, Tony Gable. Yeah, that's, yeah that's I've heard of boy. him. That's my boy, man. He, he is one of the guys who really inspired me to stay in design. And to this day, he's still like one of my top guys. Like, I really appreciate that dude, man, because, you know, when I was in Seattle, I mean, I mean, being a brother in design ain't hard. You know, it's like you, you go to schools and I don't know how it is, you know, on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, there are, you know, no brothers, no sisters, man. Yeah, and it's like, I'm going to design school and here's just, you know, me and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, having him as a mentor was a really good, uh, uh, it was really good for me to be able to relate. Now, he was one of the guys who really inspired me to stand design, but I would say probably the two guys that really sort of encouraged me um, and were really behind me and really uh, to this day are sort of my uh, top mentors, I would say Doug Watton and Chris Abzutko mm-hmm. at University of Washington. Those guys were always there, and uh, I'll never, you know, uh, uh, forget those guys. I mean, they were really, really, really important in terms of not only just uh, helping me become, you know, uh, a good designer, but also just giving me advice and, and helping me uh, make make good decisions, you mm-hmm. know. 
I talked to Doug about going to graduate school and he's always, you know, a lot of people, you know, they say this and that about Doug, but you know, Doug is a straight shooter. He'll tell you in your face, look, this is what it is. And you know, he's serious about it. He, he's serious about what he does and he's good at what he does. And he's not afraid to tell you that. And, you know, I trust him because he's always given me very sound advice, him and Chris, you know, they've always been there and always given me solid advice. So, uh, Chris, uh, Doug Watton, uh, and Tony Gable, those three guys were really sort of instrumental in helping me sort of find my way during those times. In terms of, of mentorship, one, one, I guess, thread that I've seen when I've interviewed people, when I've talked to people through a vision path has been, it's, it's actually been the opposite. It's been the lack of mentorship when it comes down to their craft. A lot of people tend to sort of go it alone. They sort of forge the trail by themselves and when I ask, you know, are you active in the local design community or anything like that? The answer is usually no, they're not. Well, I'm thinking about it, that sort of thing. Based on what you do with the with the Interact Project, as well as your relationship with your mentors, what are some things that I guess not just students, but people that are listening to this that are in the same boat? What are some things that they can do to sort of break out of that, to sort of get over that, I guess, trepidation of reaching out to people to help them out? So are we talking just uh, African-American designers or are we talking just in general? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll say African-American designers. We'll say that. Oh, I'm glad. I was hoping <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> yes. So I, I think, you know, uh, it, it's it's a so I'm just going to be straight shooter on this because okay. I, I think this is this is important. I think African-American designers have to do a better job of giving back to the community. And we aren't doing enough, you know, and, and it's like it, it bothers me because, you know, kids in the community need to see other designers of color in the business. And, you know, we sit there and we say, well, you know, we go through these classes. And we don't see any representation. We don't see, you know, any other blacks. Well, you know, you don't have any representations in those classes because we're not seen in the community. People don't know who we are. They don't know what we're doing. We go and get our jobs and then we leave. And I believe that, you know, uh, there has to be representation. We, you know, designers of color have to be present in the lives of young people because we can influence their decisions, especially kids that are creative that are interested in design or just interested in just uh, creating things and taking things apart or just have some creative spark. We need to be able to say, this is what we do, and these are some of the things that are available to to you as a young person to be involved with if you're interested. Now, doing this work is not easy, right? but doing anything that's important is not easy. And it takes people to stand up, and it's not about giving you know, uh, all your time towards this. It's just giving a little bit at first. Mm-hmm. You take a little bit of a time and be involved in, in a community organization or just start your own. You know, you know how I started Interact Project? I wrote a proposal and I actually designed a poster and I just started driving around to all the community centers, posting up posters saying, I'm having a free class. That's how the name thing started. Mm-hmm. Okay, that ain't hard to do. Now, the question is, it's like, how committed are you towards seeing young people get educated? Now, 
you know, I'm busy just like everybody else. You know, I have, you know, a family and, and you know, a son who's growing and, and you know, I, you know, I'm working and, you know, I have interact projects. I have tons of stuff going on. But I do see the value in giving back to communities because it's really important that we support the young people coming up. And if there's no representation from our people, then the kids have a different uh, have a different perspective on design. They don't see it themselves in place of uh, uh, yeah, of another designer if they don't see that representation um, um, in the profession. So I try to encourage you know you know my friends who are designers to be involved to be involved in in designing or starting programs that are. Um, Helping young people get educated about design, helping them become, um, uh, uh, helping them just get information about design, helping them uh, learn about the career options that are available out there. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of, you know, available options out there. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want kids to know about design. And it, like I said, it's a lot of work, but you know what the end result of it is, is that, you know, you're going to end up helping a lot of kids in the long run. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, because I, I think that's very important too. Another organization that I'm thinking of, which is along those same lines, as you probably heard of, is Black Girls Code, where they mm -hmm. teach young girls, I think they're uh, ages 7 to 12, I believe, about sort of coding and teaching them the web and things like that. So I, I do think that that is, is really important. A lot of what I see right now in the Black design community is Oh, what's the best way to put this without pissing a whole lot of people off? Um, the best way to put it is I see a lot of sort of, I don't know if you've been on a farm, if you've been to a farm before. Yeah. But like know. when you're at a farm and there's chickens around on gravel, right? And mm -hmm. when the farmer goes out and they sort of throw the corn, they have to throw the corn in the gravel because chicken don't have teeth. They have yeah. a craw. So when they pick up the corn, they have to pick up the rocks with it. And that's how they eat, basically. What I see looks like chickens on a farm is basically there's like a few little scraps and things that are thrown out and everyone's kind of picking and fighting over what they decide to get. Now, that's not to say that there's a lot of infighting in the community, in the, I guess, black design community. What I'm saying is I don't really see what you're talking about, which is that sort of organizing towards a greater greater type of good as it relates to service for young people, getting them involved, basically keeping uh, what we do going, just keeping it going. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of conversation that's about, of course, diversity with conferences and speaker panels and things like that. And I, I understand that to a degree, but I also feel like we can build our own things and give back to our community so we don't have to necessarily try to fight to get quote unquote in the big house you know what yeah I mean? right and i think that's that's the point right it's like at some point uh we have to be responsible for for you know helping other people um in in, in our group become successful you know it's like i i hold classes and i have volunteers that help teach my classes i mean the amount of you know you know, African Americans that help teach my class is very low. It's like I was really, yeah. I mean, I have you know, out of my teachers, I've been teaching now almost ten years, and I probably out of those ten years, probably have had maybe we see five African American teachers uh, that have helped. You know, a couple from architecture, a couple of graphic designers, but that's it, man. That's it. And so I'm like, you know, it, 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I look at this and I'm just like, you know, I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, well, well, why don't you teach the classes? You have the, you know, the connection with kids. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I would love to do it and I've already done it, but at some point, you know, we gotta get more African Americans in here and teaching these classes. I mean, I can only teach so much, you know, and I can only do so much. I have to manage, I have to run IP. You run I mean, you basically run the show. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard for me to teach classes every single, you know, time a class comes up, you yeah. know, but it's the reality of it is, is that, you know, the, the kids that are coming in are, you know, they're being taught by uh, non-blacks. Uh -huh. And that's fine because, you know, we do what we can and we, we're giving back. But still, it, it makes me wonder, like, where, where are the black designers? And I know there's not a lot of them out there, but there are enough out there that can help. So, um you know, we'll see, man. You uh -huh. know, I, 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 I'm optimistic about, uh, you know, the future of IP and trying to get more African-Americans involved. You know, we're, we're in the process of working on a few things where we can, you know, put together a packet of information that we can give to try to get more um, African-American teachers to, uh -huh. to get involved. So I'll, I'll tell you this much. Um, when you, it's funny you asked that question, like where are the black designers? I think it was maybe about five or six years ago I wrote this piece for a website called Black Web 2.0, and it was kind of along the same lines. It was saying, where are the black web professionals? And I was extrapolating results from a survey from a list apart that was sort of showing, well, where are we in the industry? And it got a lot of comments, and people were like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And then nothing sort of happened. Five years later, once I had the time and the space to do this, I started Revision Path because I got tired of the question, where are the black designers? Because I already knew what the answer was. Yeah. The answer is, we're there, but we're like hiding in plain sight. That's so I, right. I, I think it's like there's there's a problem with, with visibility and there's yeah. a problem with confidence. Um, the visibility part comes in sort of like you're saying how we're not present. We may not be present at the conferences or at the workplaces or things like that. We're not in the spaces where people need to see us. Yeah. And then the confidence part, I think, comes in with maybe public speaking or like you're saying, like teaching. They may feel that. And I'm I'm grossly generalizing here, but <laughs> there may be a mm -hmm. feeling that, well, I know what I know, but I don't know if I know it well enough to teach someone else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But here's here's a big problem and an issue that I see all the time mm -hmm. is that we have to stop and think about not just about where we fit in in a society. I mean, it, it's a lot of times I think, you know, we're trying to find our place within the business and the business has a certain vibe and a look and feel that says success or this is good design or this is bad design and i think um we need to be in a place where we're doing our own work and obviously there's good and bad design in anything you do but mm -hmm. i think there has to be a perspective where you're developing and creating based on your experiences and translating that that knowledge and that experience into you know a solution and uh, you know Oftentimes I see this, you know, I, I see uh, a lot of African-American designers and they are extremely talented. And like you said, there are out there, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's like I'm finding that, too. It's like I, you know, I have a design video series that we do that we're going to be having coming out uh, next year. And, you know, we're interviewing, you know, 
brothers and sisters, you know, all over, you know, mm-hmm. a shoe designer, just, you know, my man, Dwayne Edwards, he's in Portland. He has a shoe design academy, one of the first ones in the nation. And he was a creative or design director at Nike for many years, designed the Jordan 21 and 22 shoe. And, you know, so he's there, you know, right. and I interviewed him and had him come out. He spoke to our group, you know, I just uh, had, you know, uh, my, my sister, uh, Andrea Pippen, she's in um, Baltimore. Okay. She's terrific graphic designer, African-American. She came out. You know, I have tons of friends out here, you know, architects, um, designers that are here. And uh, so you're right. They are here, but we tend to not really be involved for some reason. And I think uh, that has to change. I totally, I totally agree with that. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit because I don't want it to seem like we're just bashing black designers here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because there, <clears throat> because there are things, of course, like you said, black designers are doing good work out there. Your yeah. thesis, uh, you had a thesis that was entitled "Envisioning Blackness in American Graphic Design," and one of the main questions from that was, "Is there a design aesthetic that belongs to African Americans?" Uh, that was something that I was thinking about when I sort of started the site, thinking about people like Michelle Washington and Garland Kirkpatrick and, and Art Sims, who does all of like Spike Lee's posters, or or Th- Thomas Miller, who designed, you know, the Motorola logo with the bat wings. Yes, yes. Yeah, like people like like him. <clears throat> and there are other organizations that are out there now. I know of one uh, that I just ran across semi-recently called the Organization of Black Designers. I don't know if you've heard of. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I actually worked on the. Uh, uh, oh no, that's uh, that's OBD. Okay, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with OBD. OBD has been around for for quite a, some time, and I know they were together, and then they split. Can you hear that ding when it, when that goes off? Well, maybe it's. I just want to make sure you don't hear. No, it. I, don't, I don't hear. It. I don't hear. It. Okay, all right. Sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah, o, OBD. I've heard of them before. They're uh, they were in Chicago, and they were you know they have. Um, you know, regional chapters all over, but I know they have kind of went through some things. And it seems as though they're not really, uh, I don't know if they're organized or they're still going or what's going on with them. Do you know much about them? Um, I've spoken to, I've actually interviewed one person that is affiliated with them, uh, whose name is also Maurice. It's Maurice Wingfield. He's in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And I've spoken with, well, not spoken with, I've emailed David Rice who is, I think, oh, yeah. the chairman or the founder of OBD. Well, he's um, in Seattle, isn't he? Architect. I don't, I don't, I have no idea. He just, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> yeah, I think I know him. Yeah, 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 yeah David Rocks, yeah. He yeah. sent he sent me a message um, after the Maurice Wingfield interview and said, you know, this is good stuff, keep up the good work, uh, but I haven't heard really anything else. Um, but but back to the thing about envisioning blackness in, in American graphic design, like you said, we need to to be out there, and people need to sort of see what uh, you know what people like us have done that are that are in this field. What are some other ways that you think? I know in the Interact Project is one of them with what you're doing, and I know you want to sort of branch out with that across the country. I guess I'm just trying to think of what are some other ways that designers can can really get involved because I feel like I, I feel like black designers might be at a bit of a uh, not a crossroads. But I think they're certainly at a point where they know that they're not represented in this industry, but it's like, well, what do I do? Where do I start? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough question, to be honest, because, you know, 
without knowing what each individual situation is, it's hard to tell what mm -hmm. it's going to take for that person to actually get up and actually do something. But I think, um, you know, there are ways where you can get involved in organizations just, you know, by knowing your own situation and where you're at, you know, whether it's the AIGA or the OPD or, uh, you know, there's... Uh, organization of creating black designers I think they're in New York and there's a lot of organizations but I think really what it comes down to is simpler than really all of that I think it's just a matter of you know even if you have somebody in your family or somebody that you know who's interested in art just taking the time to talk to them about design mm -hmm. even if it's just you know saying look you know I don't have a lot of time I only have you know one weekend every week or I have, you know, whatever time, you know, on the weekends, maybe once out of the year, just take the time to actually like, uh, you know, either contact these organizations or just find somebody that, you know, who's interested in design and, you know, uh, start talking to them about it. Because here's the thing. There are a lot of people out there that are interested in hearing about design, you know, and, and part of that is, is because, Design is, uh, there's a lot of uh, transparency in terms of what design is in our world. People don't know. We interact with it every single day. We touch it. We, 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 we love it and, and mm -hmm. we hate it, you know, and, and it's just a part of our the way that we live in society. And once people start to understand the value of design in their lives, they're interested. So it's just a matter of us as designers that are in the business that know about its value to be able to communicate that value to someone else. And that's really what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Now, taking one step further beyond that is then saying, okay, I have this knowledge and I want to do more than just say teaching my cousin or my friend's uh, daughter or son. It's, you know, being involved in an organization that is, uh, has something design related uh, whether it be like, you know, those organizations I talked about or whether it be, you know, uh, a community center, you know, just starting a class. I mean, it's really that simple. And I know it, 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 it may not seem that simple to some people because they have, you know, busy lives and whatnot. But mm -hmm. it's really not that much more than that. And I think the more you try to rationalize it and the more you try to um, make it be more difficult than it really is, then the harder it is to really start. And as long as you are committed to at least, you know, three, you know, even if you, so just think of it like this, there are uh, 52 weeks in a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even if you, you know, 25 times, 20 times out of the year or whatever, you hold a class and it can be very, un, you know, you know, it can be very, it can be formal or informal. You just hold the class and you send out to a network on your own Facebook or something like that. Say I'm teaching a class. Then, you know, you set it up and then you start talking to kids about design. It could be taking kids on a field trip. It could be a lot of different things. So there's ways to get involved. And I know once we sort of get in our project uh, up and running and, and sort of uh, modular, we're going to start expanding to other cities and there'll be more opportunities for, for designers uh, of color or just designers, period, to, to start their own things and get involved and use some of the curriculum that we have to actually start teaching kids design.
So I think that's that's a great idea. Certainly, I feel like with what you're doing, it can get to the point where sort of like how Black Girls Code, how they have they're in a bunch of different cities and they do these kind of one or two day workshops. I feel like Interact Project could certainly do something very similar yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, was there anything else in particular that you wanted to, to cover? Anything you wanted to talk about that I might have uh, overlooked or missed? No, I mean, uh, I think, you know, uh, to to the viewers out there that are listening to this, um, I mean, I know we've covered a lot of things, but, you know, um, I just want particularly designers of color to be encouraged to continue on the path of working uh, harder than you've ever worked before because, one thing that's important is that we as designers have to be resilient and we have to be focused in on doing the best work that we can possibly do because uh, opportunities for us are, are you know, uh, a little bit more uh, challenging in terms of just getting in through the front door. Now, obviously, you know, if you're a good designer and whatnot, you know, then you're going to get some looks. but. Until you get to the point where you've gotten that kind of notoriety or kind of that um, that interest level in your work, I just encourage you know you know college kids to really sort of be involved in designing all the time. That's kind of my mantra, mm-hmm. you know. And and you know when I was in school, that was my thing. I was always designing. And and what I mean by that is even if I am putting together a letter for someone. Even if I am, uh, you know, uh, doing something very simple, uh, you know, some sort of correspondence or anything that I'm sending out to anybody, I always try to design it. And really what I'm doing is I'm just training myself to be able to uh, uh, perfect my craft to the best of my ability. And when you get to the point where you're doing that all the time, then designing and creating and, and, and coming up with ideas becomes part of your DNA. It comes more natural to you. And then when it becomes more natural to you, then you start to get more creative because you can lean on your own understanding of how to create something and you create this this uh, this flow that just is natural. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I come in, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then I know what I have to do to come up with these ideas. And then from those ideas, I can take it one step further. So it's just practice all the time. Practice, practice, practice. and Try to get yourself in a, in a position where you can get the opportunities you need by attending events, being involved, being involved in the community, too. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any organizations that don't necessarily always have to be design organizations. They can be uh, organizations that are just helping out in the community and get involved in design things for them. Because these organizations are looking for graphic designers, but they're also looking for um, ways where designers can get involved and learn more about what designers are doing. Mm-hmm. And I just want to just encourage them to, to continue to do that. Where can our audience find you online? Wow, that is a good question. I am uh, <laughs> sort of elusive. I, I, I try to, you know... Believe it or not, I am very uh, much not into showboating what I do and, and where I am. Um, and so I'm not really on Facebook that much. I'm not really on Twitter that much. Uh, you know, so it's kind of hard to find me on a day to day basis. But I do have, you know, a Facebook account um, for Interact Projects. It's just, you know, Facebook.com slash Interact Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do post there. Um, 
And then I also have uh, a Twitter account, um, uh, Interact Project. You can find us there. And then I have my own personal account. Um, you can follow me there. And, and it's just, uh, it's kind of a weird name. And like I said, I'm very elusive. So it's like, you know, it, it's harder to find me on there. But it's uh, uh, D-L-R-O-W-S-E-O-M. That is my, uh, my that's how you find me on Twitter. And it's just Mo, Mo's World, Mo's World backwards. backwards. Yeah. Gotcha. So you can find me on Twitter on there. Uh, you can find me on Facebook by just going to our Interact Project page. You know, we have our Interact Project website. And uh, coming up in uh, November, uh, I believe I'm going to be in Howl Magazine and um, okay. sharing some stuff about Interact Project. So you can catch me there as well. Sounds good. I'll make sure that there, uh, if they put it online, I'll make sure that there's a link to that in the show cool. notes for this. All cool. right. Maurice Woods, thank you so much for thank taking you, man. time out of your day. This has been this has been a great interview. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me, man. And I wish you the best success, my brother, man. Keep it up. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Maurice Woods and thanks to you for listening. Revision Path is a 318 Media Project. If you like what we're doing with these podcasts, you can help sponsor the show. Contact information will be included in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.